Hello again, my friends. This is Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast, episode four. And I am Scott Green, your host. This time around, I have given Jake Berry the episode off. Uh, He's working on a whole bunch of other things for the website, has a very important day job, and I figured, you know what? I'll take this one on. Jake, I'm going to count on you for episode five. It's going to be all you, buddy. And um, I look forward to hearing what you've got planned. So for this episode, I am very excited to bring on a couple guests. Uh, First, we will be joined by Joe Drake, who is part of our Prospects 1500 team covering the Eastern League. And then following that up, uh, I will welcome on Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com and MLB Network to talk prospects. And uh, it's very exciting. So before we get into those discussions, I'm just looking at some season stats. Uh, Minor league baseball has gone about a month now since the season started. And uh, if I were to ask you who's leading all of minor league baseball in home runs, would you know? Would you know right off the bat? Some might think, oh, Jordan Alvarez, he's been tearing it up with the Astros. Um, Maybe Kevin Cron for the um, Reno Aces. Both those guys have 13 home runs as of as of this podcast, but you know what? It is Rangers prospect Sam Huff that has 14 home runs, um, and uh, he's been doing that in single A for the Hickory Crawdads. Pretty cool, and uh, a few other people that are up there on the home run leaderboard Josh Van Meter for the Reds, who just got the call to the majors recently. Uh, our old friend Matt Davidson, not really prospect eligible. He's, uh, he's knocked out a dozen for the Nashville Sounds. Brewers prospect Keston Hura has 11. And uh, Jacob Wilson, another 28-year-old. Actually, he's 28, just like Matt Davidson. And Jacob Wilson uh, with Fresno has 11. I was uh, interested in seeing who's leading the minor leagues in strikeouts for pitching. And some guys you might think would be up there on the leaderboard and then some others that might be a little bit surprising to you. Uh, I don't know that anyone off the top of their head would think that L.J. Newsom of the Modesto Nuts in the Seattle organization Uh, would top the leaderboard but yes indeed after seven games uh, seven games started he's four and two 59 strikeouts in 39 and two-thirds innings yes folks that's 13.4 k's per nine and then chris uh, bubik i don't know if it's bubik or bubik for the uh, lexington legends sorry i've butchered another last name there uh, one of my pet peeves, and I, I really need to get better with pronouncing these names. Chris has 51 strikeouts in 32 innings through uh, six games started, and he's got an electric 14.3 Ks per nine. Some other names you're going to be familiar with, Matt Manning, Lucas Sims, and then Zach Gallen is fifth with 48. Zach Gallen, uh, looking uh, for that first call-up to the majors 
uh, this year with the Marlins, and he has a 1.12 ERA with 48 strikeouts and 40 and a third innings. Uh, his whip is a microscopic 0.55 right now. So, just wanted to uh, look at those home run and strikeout leaders, and uh, as we get a little taste of what's to come on uh, future episodes of Futures Focus. So I think it's time to get right into our conversations. Uh, And again, first up, we're going to be speaking with Joe Drake, uh, my Eastern League contributor on Prospects 1500. And then we'll get into my talk with Jonathan Mayo. Uh, Very excited to share this with everyone. Thanks again uh, for listening. If you've got any questions about prospects or or any prospects that you might want to hear more about, uh, please uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Prospects1500, uh, or you can comment on the website with any of our articles. And the staff has been doing a great job, and we're pumping out content almost every day. So uh, I will be back uh, right after this quick break, and uh, we'll be talking with Joe Drake. Thanks for listening. This is Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Welcome back to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green. We're here in episode four, and we're going to be talking prospects. I've got a very special guest coming up in a little bit. I had the pleasure and honor to speak with MLB.com and MLB Network's Jonathan Mayo, their prospect guru, if you will, and I'm going to have a conversation with Jonathan a little later in this episode. Um, What I would like to do right now is welcome in one of my newest team members on Prospects 1500. He is the correspondent who we've basically said, let's cover the Eastern League because uh, he's closest to some of the AA teams in the Eastern League. And this is Joe Drake from Dartmouth, New Hampshire. Joe, welcome aboard. Thank you, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we've got some correspondents all over the country. Uh, our site is going really well, adding new content uh, almost every day. And we've got team representation for all of the minor league organizations. But I said uh, to myself last year, I'd love to expand even more and get some specific league coverage. So I have a, another guy down in Florida covering the Florida State League. Uh, Gail out in the West Coast covers the California League. Uh, so we've, we've been adding some new members to the team, and, and thank you for coming on board. I know that you're eager to get out and see some Fisher Cats games. Hopefully we'll see you down in Hartford soon, um, and then probably uh, Portland uh, this summer as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've, I've caught a couple of games in Manchester uh, to see the Fisher Cats already. Um, and yeah, the Yard Goats are on my list. Portland, Portland's actually my, my hometown team, I call it. I grew up an hour north of Portland, so the Sea Dogs are a personal favorite. And then uh, as the summer heats up, I'd like to get up to Burlington and see some uh, Vermont Lake Monsters. For, uh, Absolutely. I'd love to meet you up there, too. That yeah. Would be cool. 
So I, I did say from Dartmouth, New Hampshire. Now, um, is that where you're living or working? Or just why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do during your real life, and then <laughs> how you're going to join us uh, in our in our moonlighting gig of Prospects 1500. Absolutely. Um, so I work at Dartmouth College up here in New Hampshire. It's actually in Hanover, New Hampshire. It's Correct. a small little town on the Connecticut River, right on the uh, about halfway up the uh, Vermont New Hampshire border. Um, I work in research administration, which basically means I help professors kind of manage the budgets for their grants and uh, make sure that they're in compliance. Um, it doesn't sound that exciting, but it's kind of cool to be right there, right next to all the uh, some really, really intelligent people um, doing some really cool research and really cool work. Um, I work with a lot of physics and chemistry professors, so it's always exciting to see what they're doing. Are you going to be able to bring any of that physics and chemistry and scientific language into your baseball writing? That's what I really want to know. I would love to. I would love to. Uh, picking their brains um, when they have some downtime, which isn't very often, um, but that's something that's on my list, so... Uh, uh, something that I think is really cool. It, it applies right to my love of baseball, you know, especially when you get into the physics and all we're seeing with the juiced ball at the MLB and AAA this year. So I think that's really cool. Spin rate, launch angle, exit velocity, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. So speaking of, of the Eastern League, uh, I, we both of us have had a chance to see some Fisher Cats so far this year. And um, my closest to home team is just down the road in Hartford, Connecticut, being the Yard Goats, the AA affiliate for Colorado. Um, so I saw Hartford's opening night. Uh, they hosted the Fisher Cats, and you were in Manchester to see some Fisher Cats. So let's jump in and, uh, and talk about some players. Uh, you have just uh, recently dropped an article on the website uh, about some uh, possible fantasy contributors in the near future that are coming out of the Eastern League. So uh, why don't we get into that? I, I know that um, one of the guys I really liked from the Fisher Cats and the Blue Jays organization, just from my time seeing him a couple weeks ago, was Kevin Smith. Has there been any other Fisher Cats that stand out to you or are we kind of looking at some of the other players in the league as those top five um kevin's i like kevin smith um as far as we go to the top five a lot of the fisher cats guys kind of they aren't really there yet um we saw a lot of those guys last year in 2018 where you had vlad and you had Bo bichette and you had kevin biggio who came on really strong um i mean all of those guys would be at the top of you know just about any prospect list and then, um, so we're kind of seeing a lull here. Um, but a couple of names to keep an eye on would be Kevin Smith, and we'll see how his summer goes. Um, he's definitely someone who could make an impact for the Blue Jays here in a couple of years, which would be interesting to see kind of where he slots in with all the young talent they have. Um, uh, and the other guy I would say is Nate Pearson. Uh, Nate came up and made his debut in Portland last night, and he is an exciting power pitcher for them. He's a big dude, um, throws real hard, and I think he ended up with like eight strikeouts in Portland last night. He's definitely a name to watch um, as you kind of see how he adjusts to the, ne to the next level. 
I was very excited to see Nate Pearson. A few weeks ago, we were down in Florida on vacation, and it was all slotted, uh, all scheduled to see him against, actually, it was supposed to be Casey Mize against Nate Pearson. Oh, man. Lakeland Flying Tigers versus the Dunedin Blue Jays. And then the Flying Tigers rotation schedule got changed up a little bit. So it was not going to be Mize. It was going to be Pearson against uh, another pitcher, I think by the name of Dane Myers, if I remember correctly. And then that game got rained out. So I didn't get to see Pearson at all. (laughs) And I... Um, my consolation prize that evening was a game in Clearwater where I got to take in um, Alex Young, uh, Philly's prospect, on the Threshers, and they played uh, Tampa. So we got to see you know guys like uh, Jalen Ortiz and Dermis Garcia. So it was still pretty cool. That but, is cool. Uh, let's let's get back to Pearson. Yeah, had a great debut in um, in Double A. And uh, he's definitely going to be one uh, to watch in the Eastern League this summer. Absolutely. I, I'm going to try and time it up so I can get down to uh, catch his next start in Manchester. So I'm going to take a look at that and see if I can uh, align my schedule there and uh, get a live look at him and see how he looks down there. I've got a big event planned for next Friday night, the 17th of May in Hartford. And they're playing Manchester and I think just my luck, he's probably going to pitch the night before. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. There, there has been uh, some inclement weather in the region recently, and there could be uh, in the next week or so. And maybe there's a rain out, and maybe I get lucky and get Pearson. I feel you there. It feels like it's rained for the month, last month straight. So, so let's. Hope- I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. So let's go over and uh, look at. Uh, the Erie Seawolves, uh, Tigers, Double A affiliate. You've got some pitchers that are right there on the top of your Eastern League list. Absolutely. So Erie is really exciting. They're probably the most exciting team in the Eastern League, uh, just due to these uh, their rotation. Um, and I'd argue they're probably one of the most exciting teams in all of minor league baseball. Um, headlining that as probably just about everyone in the baseball world knows now is Casey Mize. Mize was the number one overall pick last year out of Auburn. Um, and he just, he has absolutely dominated, you know, the professional competition so far this year, starting in Lakeland and then moving up to Erie and double a, and he came out and threw a no hitter in his first, uh, first time out. And there's not many people who have done that. So that just kind of speaks to the, you know, the, the prowess of Mize right now. And then following Mize, you have Matt Manning, who's been on a tear this year. And then uh, you got Alex Fayetto right behind him, who's another, you know, high profile pitcher. He came out of Florida a couple of years ago. So I can't imagine anyone's excited to face the Erie Sea Wolves right now. Yeah, this is a little foreshadowing uh, our discussion right here. As uh, coming up, I do have my conversation with Jonathan Mayo, and we did discuss. Um, those pitchers from Erie uh, a little bit more in depth, as you can imagine how Jonathan uh, has some good looks at these guys and has a lot to say. So uh, yeah, definitely exciting to be able to see some of these pitchers come through uh, our neck of the woods, whether it's Manchester or Portland or Hartford, but definitely up here in, in uh, new England. And if you're in any other parts of 
the Eastern League region, whether it's down in Pennsylvania or Maryland or New Jersey, where you've got the uh, the Curve and the uh, the uh, Bowie Bay Sox and the Trenton Thunder. Uh, I definitely recommend getting out to some Double uh, A ball games this year and and seeing these eerie pitchers if you can. Absolutely, and what I like most about Double A is like this. The level of competition up here is just, it's just a little bit better. This is one of the last stops for the top prospects of kind of a proving ground. You're like, hey, if you can do it at double A, you're probably going to get the call to the bigs pretty soon. Um, and then, you know, guys with a playing time issue at the major league level, you see a lot of those guys move on to triple A and stuff. But if guys who have su- success at double A um, relative to, you know, their age, uh, these are big time guys to watch and, and, see their uh, path to the major leagues move up pretty Agreed. quickly. Agreed. I've talked to several people about this. I think that the talent at the AA level is the best in minor league baseball. And a lot of the pitchers uh, in high A, if they're really good, are going to dominate the hitters. Um, and then vice versa, on the other side of the coin, you might have some hitters uh, that just cruise through high A because they might catch some pitchers that aren't at the upper echelon yet. So once these, you know, hitters and pitchers get to double A and if they, if they perform well, it's a good uh, sign that they could uh, stand a chance at the major league level. Um, As we move on here, I think there's a couple more guys that you did spotlight in your, your piece on the website. Uh, Yusmil Diaz, who the uh, Orioles got from the Dodgers, uh, he's he's on the Bay Sox roster, and then you also um, mention and get into a little bit about the Syracuse Mets. I'm sorry, the Binghamton Rumble <laughs> Pony, Bingle, Binghamton Rumble Ponies, uh, Andres Jimenez. Yeah, and well, we'll kick it off with Andres here. Andres is an interesting guy as far as fantasy is concerned. He's not super super exciting, but he's because he's more of a glove first kind of guy. Um, really athletic. When you watch him play in the field, everything just kind of looks like it comes natural to him. Um, and where that kind of brings itself to fantasy is guys like that who, who do well on the field, um, it really kind of carries them through the minors sometimes. Um, as long as they can hold their own at the level, uh, that glove's going to kind of push them up. And so we saw him get to double A last year, um, and he looked pretty good. And then he kind of tailed off in the uh, – Arizona Fall League last year, but a lot of people kind of chalked that up to fatigue. It was the longest season he's ever played. So what we really want to look for here is for Jimenez to come into double-A this year and kind of pick up where he left off. Um, and he's so far, he's off to a little bit of a s- slower start, I guess, average-wise, but he's still, he's still holding his own with the bat here. Um, so that's good to see. Uh, the only thing with Jimenez is when you look at the Mets uh, you know, Major League roster, We've got Ahmed Rosario at short already. Um, it's unlikely that he pushes Rosario off shortstop because he's kind of got the better pedigree defensively there. Um, but you do have Robinson Cano at second. Cano is not going to play forever. So it'd be interesting to see if we start to see Jimenez get some looks at second base uh, in Binghamton. I agree there. And uh, how about Diaz over in Baltimore with the Bay Sox? Diaz is another kind of a... Good with the glove, um, hit tool kind of guy. Not a ton of power, uh, but 
a very intriguing prospect. He was tearing it up in the Dodgers minor league system uh, before he came over to Bowie. And he hasn't quite been as impressive since the move. Um, but this is, this is a guy that you really still want to kind of keep your eye on. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised to see him fizzle out over here. Um, and I would, I'd also say that guys like Diaz and Jimenez, where they have you know, the, the bat tool kind of supersedes the power. What we're seeing with the AAA ball and the MLB ball right now, these are the kind of guys who might really get a, a little uptick in their game power from this new ball. So it's, that, it's those warning track power kind of guys that we're seeing the biggest boost for. Interesting. Yeah, definitely something to watch. And you know what? The last couple guys I want to uh, chat about with you uh, are from the Hartford Yard Goats. And we're looking at Colton Welker and Tyler Nevin, two really good uh, bats that have come to the Eastern League uh, from uh, Lancaster Jethawks last year. And um, they bring... They bring some excitement to Hartford. Um, although I haven't seen the um, I haven't seen the crazy offensive numbers being put out yet. In the two games that I've gone to, I think I've only gotten like one hit from each of them. Uh, and Nevin struck out four times in one of the games. So, <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on these two guys? I like them both. I like them both. Um, I caught them once in Manchester earlier this year. Uh, it was kind of a chilly evening, and actually Andrew Sopko from the Fisher Cats really mowed everyone down. It was a pretty quick game. Um, not, not a whole lot of scoring on either side, so I don't really think that speaks to their talent level at all. Um, but they are still fun to watch. Both guys have pretty you know, nice swings. Just kind of a, a fun guy to watch. Um, of course, after, after that game, uh, I want to say Welker homered the next night. So, of course, you know. Not while I was there in person. Sure. Um, but Welker's, Welker's an exciting hitter. He's someone who is, he owns like a what, 300, 323 lifetime batting average in the pros and is hit for power pretty much every stop. Um, this is someone who is definitely has a chance to be an impact bat at the next level. I just would be concerned about where he's going to play. Because as you probably know, the Rockies have Nolan Arenado. And uh, I don't think anyone's moving off him off third base anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see where he slots. I saw him play first base uh, when I was in Manchester and Nevin was a DH. Uh, but I've also heard some uh, right field rumblings because he does have a strong arm. And, so that'll be interesting to watch. And I've been, and I've been seeing Nevin at first base in Hartford. Um, so yeah, they've, uh, they've got the corners lined up there. Absolutely. Um, and Nevin looked pretty good, too. He's a long and lean kind of guy. You can, you can certainly see where he'll, he could uh, put on some weight, hopefully good weight, going forward and really start to tap into that power, use those long levers. All right, I'm going to just put you on the spot here, um, kind of right off the top of your head. I know we haven't done a lot of research for this call yet, uh, mm -hmm. but are there any other players that you know are out there in the Eastern League right now or that could be coming to the Eastern League uh, with the promotion from from high A ball uh, this season that you'd love to see? Off the top of my head, Nate Pearson was my biggest one. Um, I, To be honest, I didn't think he was going to get here so quick. Um, they were really careful with him last year. So Nate was my biggest, after Casey Mize, um, Nate was my biggest, uh, I guess, most exciting prospect to see. Uh, 
what is what will be fun to watch going forward is there is a guy in the Eastern League right now is uh, Rhett Wiseman. He the Eastern League just named him their Player of the Month. He came out and he absolutely destroyed it in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy I, I want to say he had like eight home runs, eight doubles, and a single in the month, and just hit the cover off the ball. I tried to do a little bit of digging, and uh, there haven't been any confirmed reports as to a mechanics change. And we should note that Wiseman was a little bit old for the double-A level, so nothing to get overly excited about. But someone to kind of keep your eye on going forward to see if he can kind of not hold this level of production. I think he had like an 1,100 OPS. Um, But someone to see if if he can kind of maintain, you know, a more, I guess, reasonable, like just, just some really good production going forward. It'll be interesting to see if maybe there has been a mechanical change that's going to uh, kind of shoot him up the ranks a little bit. You hit the nail right on the head with Wiseman. I'm, I'm looking back to our first edition of the Prospects of the Week uh, this year, and Jake Berry uh, named Wiseman the Double A hitter of the week uh, for the first. Uh, the first week was a little bit extended because opening day was a Thursday. So for that first. Uh, 10-day period or so, uh, Wiseman just absolutely killed it, um, going like 424, 500, 1061, 1561 on his slash line, six homers, 13 RBIs, adding a stolen base. That was just in his first week. <laughs> so um, I, I really appreciate you bringing him up because uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him and hope to uh, catch some, some action with him when Harrisburg comes uh comes through hartford absolutely he'll be interesting to watch just to kind of see uh you know just to get a a look at him in person exactly i think probably a guy that is not owned by a lot of people even in deep dynasty leagues he was not rated on our national top 50 prospects list uh so i guess you know if you've got spots and you're in a league that has you know 50 plus uh, minor slots per team i'd grab them oh absolutely i think i mean this is a guy who's worth a flyer it's you gotta you gotta jump on it uh before it's proven so to speak these days because if you don't someone else is going to take that risk you know Um, what we had um rodolfo castro infielder for the pirates um as our uh single a hitter of the week uh, in the uh, prospects of the week column that just dropped a couple days ago for last week. And, uh, of course, my friend and yours, Jake Berry, uh, decides to just pick up Castro in our Diamond Duos 4 league. But, you know, where did he get that information from? (laughs) From our our doing our research in our website. So there's the benefit of, of reading Prospects 1500 content and then going and taking it to help in your own dynasty leagues. Yeah, putting it right into action. So uh, I, was, I was glad to see that he sniped me on Castro. <laughs> All right, well, um, Joe, Joe, it's been uh, a pleasure having you on and uh, speaking a little bit about the Eastern League. Definitely looking forward to seeing you out at the ballpark this summer. And uh, you know, let us know uh, where people can find you online, where, through the website, through Twitter and, and how people can uh, keep in touch with your contact uh, and your content. Absolutely. 
Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Scott. This has been a blast. Um, you can find me online on all platforms at uh, at jdrake349. Um, and that's Drake like the rapper. So uh, you can find me there. I'm fairly active on Twitter. Uh, I'm just kind of getting back into the writing world after a couple of years off. Um, I used to do some sports writing, uh, mostly freelance. Um, and I had a, a more steady gig um, back in the day for uh, I, I covered all sorts of sports, um, mostly the big four, but kind of whatever they would throw at me, I would I would dive in and do my research for. Um, but uh, at Prospects 1500, that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, being part of the team. Thanks for taking some time to come on to Futures Focus, and uh, we will definitely talk to you soon. So coming up on Futures Focus, we have uh, my conversation with Jonathan Mayo. Jonathan is the MLB.com and MLB Network's uh, prospect guru, if you will. And it was a pleasure speaking with him. I am going to uh, get into that conversation coming up right after uh, this short break. Uh, Again, this is Scott Green, and you're listening to Futures Focus, Prospects 1500 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green, and right now I'm very happy and excited to welcome in Jonathan Mayo from MLB Network. Jonathan, thanks for joining me. That was my pleasure. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking some prospects. Um, just to uh, give everybody a little idea of, of how you got into the business, I thought uh, give you uh, give you a minute to do a little introduction. You and I met a few months ago up in Wayland, Massachusetts, at a screening for Heading Home, The Tale of Team Israel. And uh, talk about that a little bit and then how you got into uh, MLB Network. Uh, sure. Uh so the movie is sort of came from an idea that I had. Uh, the, the original idea was just bringing a group of Jewish baseball players to Israel and let them kind of explore what it means to be known and embracing, you know, being known as a Jewish baseball player. And then we kind of got attached to Team Israel. The guys who ended up going on the trip, eight of them ended up on that team. We went to Asia to follow them. And then they, you know, ended up being one of the, the, the best storylines of the World Baseball Classic in 2017, and, and that was the movie. Um, I've been working for MLB.com for 20 years, and when MLB Network started up, I guess it was in 08, mm-hmm. started to do, by then I had already been doing prospect stuff for, that was my fifth, maybe that was my fifth or sixth year doing it, so I started doing some prospect segments, and it's kind of just continued to grow from there, and then uh, you know, the big thing, of course, is the draft, which is coming up in eh, less than a month. Right. Um, where people have to spend a lot of time looking at me on screen. So I apologize for that. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. Very cool. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you about prospects when it comes to Team Israel. I know that you and I chatted a little bit about uh, Dean Kramer on the last team. Uh, when this hopefully happens again, do you see any Jewish baseball players that are prospects in the game being on the next team? Not, you know, not as many prospects. Um, and that may, that may just be because I don't, I don't like know who, who they are. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know about, uh, I knew a little bit about Dean Kramer. Um, but, uh, you know, by 2021, a lot of these guys might be in the big leagues. One guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on is a reliever in the, in the race system, Simon Rosenblum Larson. Sure. Uh, who, you know, was not, he was a 19th round pick last year, uh, had a really strong pro debut, but you always go, all right, well, you know, it's coming from a, from college. Let's see what he does as he moves up. And they, and they pushed him up to, to high A and he's closing for, for Charlotte and doing a really good job so far. Uh, yeah. So speaking he's of, kind of, he's kind of interesting. No, no, it's okay. But, uh, you know, a lot of the guys will be in the big leagues or like are in the big leagues now. Uh, you, you know, are just establishing themselves maybe. So, you know, maybe 2021 we see a Max Freed. Uh, you know, Kramer will be in the big leagues by then. Uh, he better be. Uh, Rowdy Telez, you know, who knows? Speaking of prospects of the week, which we do on a weekly basis, uh, usually drop them on Monday on our website, Simon Rosenblum Larson uh, made it once or twice to our column last year. And one of my Rays correspondents at the time was able to actually do an interview with him, which we have on the website, which was really cool. So he's definitely one of the guys that I'm, I'm pulling for, uh, in his career coming out of Harvard, I believe. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even remember where the college comes from. Maybe it's, it's, it's funny how, like, you notice, first of all, like there aren't that many hyphenated last names. Right. Uh, you know, you'd think it would happen more and more, but obviously you see Simon Rosenblum and, uh, you know, you make it, you make an assumption and then <laughs> You make you find out yes that he is indeed Jewish, uh, and it's always better to check. Uh, someone was reminding me uh, a couple a few years ago the the Marlins were doing you know the uh, Jewish Heritage Night and they printed Mike Jacobs jerseys in Hebrew <laughs> t-shirts and it turns out he's not Jewish. So uh, it always you know just because the guy the name looks like it uh, you need to check, but. I He's like I, thought, an I eye thought one of the best parts of the movie was when they were going through the players and kind of uh, explaining how they found out each of them was Jewish and were they eligible to play on the team? Because it's like, you know, not just your mother being Jewish and you're Jewish, but it could have been an ancestor that you don't even know and you get to play on the team. Yeah, well, it's got to be a grandparent or a grandparent or parent. Um, but yes, uh, the, the, the lengths they went to, to find players is astounding. I actually think one of the biggest, uh, sort of positive byproducts of, of the success the team had, uh, not only do they automatically, uh, qualify for the next world baseball classic and it, and it helped team Israel, Israel baseball financially, uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, but I think they're going to have less of a hard time finding players. I think players are going to come to them because of the success they had. Very cool. Well, as we transition, let's talk about some current prospects. I made a short list, uh, a few from each of the different levels of minor league ball. Thought it, it get some of your uh, thoughts on, on how they're doing and, and chances to make the big leagues. I want to start off right away with AAA 
two two bats, two big bats that we've seen lately. Alvarez and Austin Riley. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan Alvarez has been about as hot as just about any hitter in baseball. Um, you know, he's now up to 406 on the year with 13 homers. Yep. And, you know, uh, without you know, looking at the Astros depth chart and what they have in the outfield, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of people talk about Kyle Tucker, who got off to a very slow start. And I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, Alvarez... Uh, is really starting to figure things out. And he's, he's 21 and in AAA. My dog loves Jordan Alvarez, but Kyle Tucker is really an outfielder only, and Alvarez can play outfield and first, right? Yeah, no, and that's a good point. So not only you can move him around, but the, there's probably more likelihood that they'll need a first baseman in Houston than, than in the outfield. But whatever the case is, he, he is starting to bang down the door uh, and, um, you know, and, and make a case that he, he should get called up. And I think, I think it's going to have, you know, it's going to have to happen soon, uh, you know, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Sure. I thought that Austin Riley had a really good chance to start the year with Atlanta, uh, and Camargo, you know, moved to other positions that he, can play and then they signed Donaldson. So it kind of left Riley, you know, in triple a anyway to start the year. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I had a feeling they weren't going to, and he hadn't played that much in triple a and he's still really, really young. Uh, and I think everyone knew that Josh Donaldson is just keeping the, the spot warm. Sure. Until they decide that, uh, that Riley's ready. Uh, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with a hitter like Riley. Uh, you know, he's turned out to be a much better all-around hitter than I think people anticipated, but there's swing and miss to his game. I don't think there's anything wrong with a guy like that to give him as many minor league reps as possible so that when he comes up, uh, the learning curve isn't quite as steep. Uh, you know, there's probably going to be some swing and miss. The power is as legitimate as there is in, in minor league baseball. He's also, you know, he missed. He missed some time last year. Uh, you know, so I, th there was nothing wrong with him sort of getting a, a good kind of headwind behind him uh, and, and, let him, and let him go from, from there. But uh, he's showing an ability to make an adjustments. So, you know, as long as people don't go nuts over the strikeouts and realize it's just an out, I think he's going to hit enough and he's going to hit a lot of homers once he gets there. Okay. So I only have one AAA pitcher I want to touch on. That's Zach Gallen um, from Miami, and he's playing on New Orleans right now. Um, he didn't have, he was a 2016 round pick for the Cardinals third round, uh, didn't have a great last year in AAA, although it's the, uh, Pacific coast league, I think, is that right? Um, but, um, he's doing amazing this year with, uh, with new Orleans, you know, a very low one in the ones for the ERA and four and O and, um, kind of been off the radar for, I think a lot of prospect followers and he might be in the major soon. Yeah, I think I think he will be. You know, he's he's kind of interesting. I think he's off the radar because his stuff is doesn't grade out. Uh, you know, in terms of velocity, he doesn't throw super hard, but he has four pitches. They're all average to a tick above. Uh, I think the the cutter is really what he he relies on. And um, when he's at his best, uh, he he commands the ball well. He keeps the ball down. 
So his ceiling might be um, his ceiling might be somewhat limited. You know, maybe he's a number four starter, maybe he's a number five starter. But you know, you look at what Miami's trying to do. If they have a reliable guy who can eat up a lot of innings, uh, he, he doesn't have to wow everyone. Um, you know, he had a he had a solid year in the Pacific Coast League last year, uh, and now has kind of made some adjustments. He's a smart pitcher, and I think he's that's the kind of pitcher he's going to be. Uh, you know, the walk rate being really low, uh, the fact that he's given up so few hits is somewhat astounding. I don't think he's going to have that kind of strikeout rate as a big leaguer. Uh, but right now he is mixing his pitches extremely well. And uh, I think that the Marlins will probably give him an opportunity at some point as they continue their youth movement. Agreed. Uh, moving on, uh, as we go down to double A, this is the league of the players that I get to see the most being close to the uh, Hartford Yard Goats, where I live up here in New England. Um, I'm going to just ask you about the Erie Seawolves pitchers. I, I think with Mize and uh, Manning and Alex Faedo, you can't really go wrong with any of them. Right, right. Uh, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So they're they're starting. You know, the the, the Tigers kind of hit uh, the the rebuild switch, which is not something they've done in in a while, and they had some pieces. Uh, already there. Uh, I mean, obviously, what Casey Myers did was insane. Uh, and the thing that I love, you know, he goes up to Double A and pitches a no hitter, uh, you know, a nine inning, not one, like not like a seven inning minor league double header kind of no hitter or anything like that. But uh, you know, completely on his own, no hitter. Right. And what does he say afterwards? Yeah, my command wasn't anywhere near where I want it to be. <laughs> like what? This guy has walked two in forty total innings this year. Two, and he's given up nine hits. I mean, so he has been as good. He's been better than advertised, which is saying something for a guy who's a number one overall pick. He is such a student of his craft and has such nasty stuff. The the I'll, I'll borrow a line from my colleague uh, Jim Callis because you know we talk about these guys a lot, and he's saying that Casey Mize has the best combination of stuff and feel for pitching since Steven Strasburg. Wow. Um, now, and it's not, he doesn't throw as hard as Strasburg, uh, but he has, sec, you know, he has maybe better, he has better command and control. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so that, that eerie rotation is fairly, I've always been a huge Matt Manning fan. I like that the, the Tigers are kind of, uh, I want to say taking it slow. He's 21 and in double A, right? So he's, he's still very much ahead of the curve, but they, they didn't really try to rush him too much. He was a guy who was a multi-sport player. He was a, bas- a really good basketball player. Uh, so there was going to be some learning there, and it's really starting to come together. Uh, and he was kind of a guy that I thought could take a, a nice jump forward this year after making it to double-A last year. And it's looking like he, he's doing it. You know, he's a guy who's going you know, to continue to get more physical. He obviously has uh, the, the pitcher's frame, uh, you know, and, and, and all of those things. And, uh, Fayedo is interesting because like his stuff was a little bit down last year and people were concerned. Uh, I wasn't worried about it too much. He was tweaking some things in his delivery. Maybe he was a little dinged up and he's come out this year and whether it's, you know, the stuff has ticked back up or he's just learned how to pitch. He still has three average or better pitches with solid control and he's been commanding the ball really well so far. So that's a like a that's about as good of a one, two, three as there's been in a minor league rotation this year. Absolutely. I know that they are 
coming into town in Hartford a uh, couple weeks from now, May 20th through 22nd. A colleague of mine um, at my day job is a big Tigers fan. Not many of them in New England, actually. I but wouldn't think. He, uh, he has tickets to, I think, two out of three games. And I'm telling him, hey, listen, you sh- you're going to get a couple good pitchers. Whether, whether you see Mize or not, you, you'd probably be pretty happy when you go. Um, yeah, yeah, but the last thing I wanted to touch on with Casey Mize. So I was talking to a guy at the Tampa game as we were watching Davey Garcia, and he was, and we had just missed uh, uh, Casey Mize had started out in Lakeland, and he was telling me that really these elite pitchers should be able to carve up the high A hitters, and their first real test will be in Double A. Is that something that you agree with? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. Double A is the separate, not just for pitchers in general. You know, guys can have success in A ball, and and Double A separates them. And a, and a lot of evaluators believe that if you can master Double A and perform well there, you're gonna you're you're gonna be a a big league contributor. Now, it doesn't mean you put up good numbers in Double A, you're gonna be a star in the big leagues. It just means that you can compete in the big leagues. And, uh, I, I think that's true. And what happens, I think, with pitchers, especially with pitchers who really command the ball and mix their pitches well, you'll see guys without great stuff but are really smart just absolutely dominate an A ball. And then in double A, you sort of see maybe who they really are. They get exposed uh, a little bit more. Um, and either they adjust or they don't. Now, with a guy like Casey Mize, like I said, he's got the command and the stuff. So, yeah, in A-ball, he, he, he could, without his best stuff, because he's so smart and has such a feel for pitching, he's going to dominate. The fact that he's continuing to do a double-A shows that he's one of the best, uh, if not the best pitching prospect in, in baseball right now. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I don't expect him to have too much more trouble along his minor league path. Okay. For double A hitters, I don't want to go too deep. Uh, even though with prospects fifteen hundred, that's what we do, and we do top fifties for every team. But I thought I'd just uh, have you touch on a couple uh, teammates right now with the Braves double uh, A squad: Drew Waters and Christian Pache. Um, similar numbers, I think, right now. Waters hitting three twenty eight with two homers, and Pache is at three fourteen with two homers and four stolen bases. Are these? talents that you see in the Atlanta outfield in the major league level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just a vision for a second, an outfield of Waters, Pache, and Acuna. It's kind of silly. And and the thing is, like, all three of them could play center field. Um, I think at the end of the day, Pache is the one who plays center. Uh, He he may be the best defensive center fielder in in minor league baseball right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just between his speed and his instincts. He also has a ridiculous arm, uh, you know, they, as, as does Waters. Um, Waters might have a little more power potential. Uh, I get questions on them all the time. I do the 30. So, um, you know, it is, uh, you know, it, it's fun to have them together and having them in the same outfield must be a ton of fun to watch in the Southern League. I, I don't imagine anything falls between them. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it is uh, – I saw Pache in the fall league, and it's legit. Uh, all of it is, is absolutely legit, and they're just going to continue to get better. And having them together, I, I guarantee they push each other. Uh, they know 
that the two of them are stacked up next to each other. And I am sure that there is some friendly competition there in Mississippi. Sure. All right. Uh, thank you for uh, info on those guys. Moving down to the advanced A level, uh, which some call it A plus, some call it high A. Yep. Uh, three batters that uh, I have on my list here. Uh, one who's been tearing it up uh, since the year started, uh, Luis Robert. Uh, and then the other two, uh, may, maybe not as uh, highly touted, uh, Dermis Garcia from the Yankees and Jaron Duran of the Red Sox. Dermis Garcia is only 21, yet it seems like he's been around for so long. And I just looked it up, and I think they signed him uh, in 14. Yeah, I'm, sure when, when, I'm sure when he was 16. Yes. But one of the things that, you know, that sort of happens with, uh, with guys like that is that um, it takes a while. You know, and you kind of forget that that it it can take a long time, and you know, and that's what's happened with 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 Garcia. Um, it's really great to see him kind of take a another step forward. He's always shown some power potential. Um, you know, I think he's starting to draw some more walks to help offset the fact that they're swing and miss. Mm-hmm. But the power the the power is is legit. He's going to have to, be, you know, as a right hand, a right right first baseman. Uh, there's more pressure to be you know, to be that kind of run producer. But he's big and strong, and if he can manage the strike zone just enough, I think that can continue. Um, and Luis Robert isn't even a high A player anymore. He was so good they had to promote him. That's right. I have the notes here. I just had yeah. to mention promoted yeah. Double A Birmingham, where he's off to a you know pretty solid start, and and that's not surprising. You know, I mean he. <laughs> Because you know they they signed him right before uh, you know the new rules changed how much money you could spend, and they went all in on him. You know as a as a Cuban import who's still extremely young. This isn't you know uh, sometimes we remember Cuban players who come over and they're a little bit older and there's this expectation they're going to be in the big leagues right away. So the fact that he's not there already and he also missed most of last year, but. Most of his first two years, he, he, there was a lot of injuries, uh, you know, from from the time he signed. Now we're starting to see when he's fully healthy, uh, what he can do, and he he showed it a little bit late in the fall league uh, last fall that okay, he's not going to have a problem with higher levels, and he made the Carolina league look silly, and I think he's going to, you know, he's going to continue to hit. Uh, I don't think he'll hit. What is he at four fourteen for the year as we speak? I don't. That's going to continue, but he really, really can hit, and there's a lot of power he can run. He's got, he's got all those tools, um, and as long as he, again, you know, manages the strike zone to mitigate the the strikeout rate a little bit, he's going to be just fine. Cool. And I'm a big Red Sox fan. Um, I'm sorry. Born and raised. Um, sorry about the recent championships. I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jaron Duran, I'm waiting on his first Bowman baseball card. The guy's hitting right now, and he was drafted last year, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hitting, seventh round out of Long Beach State. Hitting 378. His OBP is over 430, uh, 939 OPS, and he's got 12 stolen bases. He's doing this at the high A level. I want to see him in Portland. Uh, I think you're going to. Uh, I think you're going to at some point. I think, you know, they. he had such a – he may have had the most surprising debut of maybe any draftee 
not that they didn't think he was going to be good, but the fact that he was that good. And he also showed more, more extra base ability. Uh, that hasn't shown up a ton so far this year, but I mean, he, he did, he slugged 516 last summer. He's actually slugging over 500 now because of the, the doubles and triples. But he, I think what he'll be able to do is drive the ball the gap and use that almost top of the scale speed to, to, to help him out. And he is, he's the fastest guy in the system now. Uh, you know, he's their best outfield prospect now. So I think what they probably want to do is, you know, give him, let's say two months uh, with Salem. And then if he's still doing this, then they'll find room for him. Again, I don't know who's in the Portland outfield. Sometimes, you know, it's not just, oh, this guy should get promoted. If they have three guys who need to get every day at bats or four even in Portland, it may not happen right away. Uh, And as a seventh rounder, you know, uh, he may have to prove himself at every level. Without knowing all those different variables, I do think he does get himself bumped up to Portland uh, maybe by June, if not, then for the second half of the year and then and then go from there. And to get a guy in the seventh round who – who even if he just spends the second half in double A in his first full season, that that's already a win. Uh, his on-base skills are really good. Um, so I think that he will uh, he will continue to get better in that regard. I think he'll continue to get better in using his speed efficiently on the bases and uh, and his ability in the outfield. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a, a good center fielder. His speed helps him outrun whatever mistakes he makes and he'll continue to get better on his reads and routes. So he's a, a sneaky kind of under the radar draft pick who might end up being a lot better than anyone anticipated. I'll tell you who's in the Portland outfield. Cause I saw them two times last week. Right. Marcus Wilson, who came over in the Swihart deal, right? Luke Tendler and Anuris Tavares. Right. Okay. So in terms of like a prospect you know, or a top draft pick, who's going to, automatically command time they're not there okay uh, marcus wilson needs to play every day if you want to get a chance to see what he might be uh he's got a lot of tools he's unbelievably athletic uh so we'll have to sort of see you know what happens but other than that uh i i, I don't think see any of those guys standing in the way of uh of duran uh, getting bumped up at some point okay Pitchers at the high A level, Mackenzie Gore has been awesome. He's been dominant. But I have to ask you about Michael Bauman from uh, the Orioles and Frederick Keyes. Bauman is interesting. When when we do our draft coverage, Jim Callis and I kind of split up the country, and I I have Florida. And I remember him coming out of uh, Jacksonville. really intrigued me because he's big and he's physical and he's got a plus fastball that he can crank up into the upper 90s. Uh, he's got a good slider. Uh, he does have, you know, a, a usable changeup. He'll mix in a curveball. I think there are a lot of people who thought that maybe he he'd end up in a bullpen. True, you know, when all is said and done, last year was his first full year. It was kind of up and down. Um, this year has been better. He's obviously missing a ridiculous amount of bats. He's at thirty-four strikeouts and eighteen and two-thirds. Um, the stuff is, is really, really good. And I think what you do, uh, for as long as possible, especially given his, his size and the fact that his, uh, 
velocity he's able to maintain like deep into starts. I think you go as long as you can with developing him as a starter. It allows him to pile up innings. It allows him to work on all four pitches and see what happens. But because of some effort in his delivery, because of the, the command hasn't been great, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in a bullpen. I, I think he could be really, really good. I mean, you put him in the bullpen now, he could be in the big leagues by next year, um, if not the end of this year, but they don't really need him. Just because that fastball slider would play up, you know, in shorter stints, he'd probably be sitting upper 90s and the, and the slider will get tighter. And he doesn't have to worry about the change up as much uh, or worrying about a second breaking ball. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what what happens with with him. Uh, whether this is something that he can maintain. This is a guy who you'll see when he gets that move to Double A, how he competes and whether or not it works at that level. And I think that will determine whether or not he can be a starter or ends up in the bullpen. Okay. So I wanted to just round out this discussion we're having on prospects with a couple players from the single A level. Uh, one um, outfielder from the Lake County captains in the Indians organization is Will Benson. And then we've got uh, pitcher Jake Wong in the Giants system uh, playing with the Augusta Green Jackets. I, I thought and some Indians fans were hoping that this might be Will Benson's breakout season, if you will. Um, he had this huge four home run game a few weeks back, but maybe hasn't been uh, so awesome other than that game. He's hitting 250 with six homers and his strikeout percentage is right up there around 40%. Right. Right. And that's, the, I mean, that's the, the big thing. Um, he, he swings and misses a lot, a lot, a lot, 42 strikeouts and 92 at bats. And last year he, hit a bunch of homers and he walked a ton, but he hit 180 uh, because of of that. So he's repeating a level, which was the right thing to do. He's only 20. Um, He's a a sharp kid. I've talked to him a number of times. Um, So it's not going to be lack of effort or lack of understanding of what he needs to do. But, you know, he's got uh, some timing issues with his swing. Um, and you know, there are times you'll see him, he'll hit four homers because the power is ridiculous. He runs well, he steals bases mm-hmm. for, especially for a big guy. Uh, and there are times you're like, my goodness, this is the best power hitter I've ever seen. And then he'll swing through fastballs down the middle, you know, and you're like, what? And he doesn't look like he belongs at any level. So it's going to take a while. You know, he may not make it to the big leagues until he's 24 or 25, say, you know, it may be, you know, a level at a time. It also might click because he is super athletic, but there are some things with that swing that, uh, that you have to, I, I hope, I hope he, he, he continues to find some level of, of consistency uh, because I really like him uh, and he's a fun player. And if it works, I think it's going to be really good. Sounds good. And uh, Wong, with Augusta, he has six games started. He's two, one, the, 2.20 ERA. His whip is under one. The Giants don't have an amazing farm system, and they don't have a lot of outstanding pitching prospects. Um, I know that that uh, Sean, how do you say his last name? Is it Hegel? Uh, Jelly. Sean Jelly. So he's one of their other, uh, you know, upper 
echelon pitching prospects in that organization. Where do you rate Wong? Um, you know, I like him. I, I you know, Arizona's another area that I do. So I've been coming out of Grand Canyon. He kind of intrigued me. Um, he's another guy that could see end up being in in a in a bullpen just the for command reasons. Um, the but the two things he does has done well is he tends to, he's been missing bats at a decent enough clip and he gets a lot of ground ball outs. Um, you know, I think the fastball curve combination would really work well in, uh, in, in, in shorter stints if they needed him to. Um, he's, he is strong and durable. So maybe what I think they need to do is get him out of the South Atlantic league and move him up to San Jose and, and, and see what happens because for a college pitcher, uh, the South Atlantic league is not much of a challenge at all. I'm a little surprised that they started him there. Um, he didn't pitch a ton last summer, so maybe, you know, which is often the case with college pitchers. So maybe they they want to wait, you know, wanted to get him some innings first and get his feet under him, but I don't think he's going to be in Augusta for much longer. They need to see what he's able to do at a higher level to, to get a sense of who he is. All right. Um, Jonathan, I, I want to thank you for your time. I have three really quick, like, rapid-fire questions just to finish this off. I, I like to ask um, – these questions to my panel uh, at All-Star Weekend when we have our Prospects 1500 conference. So I'm going to ask them to you now um, and just give me your best answer. All right. Um, Go for it. Favorite minor league baseball park. I know you've been to so many of them. Wow. Well, I'll, uh, I'll stay somewhat local and I'll say the, uh, and I don't remember the, the, you know, the, the Altoona curve. Uh, ballpark where you know that's the, in the eastern league i really like that one the ballpark in akron is also really nice and then i always liked the the dayton dragons uh they had it's not that big of a deal now but i remember when they first opened the like one half of their outfield wall is a video board oh cool like, like show highlights and stuff on it and they also had like a ridiculously long uh sellout streak um, so they, you know, it's, it was smart because it's about 45 minutes outside of Cincinnati and it's a Reds affiliate. So people started going to find out who like the next wave of Reds talent was going to be. Very cool. Um, and I spoke to you about this when I saw you at the screening, we've got to get you up to Hartford to Dunkin' Donuts Park. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to get up to Portland. Uh, there are a lot that I haven't been to. Um, but yes, uh, there are, there are many that I would like, uh, that I would like to check out for sure. All right. Prospect not in your top 100 going into 2019, who you could see being top 25 or 50 next year. Top 25 or 50 next year. So basically a big jump because they weren't yeah. top 100 this year, but they're going to be up there next year. Um, hmm. Well, you know, he's not. <laughs> he is not uh, off to a very, very good start this year. Um, so I'll hedge my bet. Uh, Luis Garcia with the Phillies uh, is a young shortstop. He's only 18 and he's in the South Atlantic League. Mm -hmm. He's he's hitting under 200 right now. And he is not in our top 100. I could see him making a leap. Um, 
I want I want to find one other name. We were just talking about about this, and I think I can find some names here. So I'm a little more informed. Yeah, I probably should have given you these questions ahead of no, time. No, no, no. It's it's all good. Top, but that's a big jump. All right, you know what? You know, this is my maybe my favorite guy. I don't know if it'll be top 50. Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. Okay. You know what? I think I screwed up the question. I think it was who was in your top 100 but would be top 25 or 50. Oh, it's, it's okay. And it's then all the, right. the other question was going to be who was not in your top 100 that you think will be um, like midseason. Right. So Julio Rodriguez, unfortunately, he broke, uh, he, he broke his hand, so he's out right now. But uh, he was making his U.S. debut this year and was so impressive in the spring training that they sent him to full season ball. Now, he only got nine games in in the South Atlantic League, but he went 11 for, for 31 at 355. Uh, Drew Walks, unbelievable kid. So he's, he's one uh, that I'll keep an eye on, especially once he gets back and shakes the rust off after the injury. Right. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him. And I like Luis Garcia, too. Yeah. Well, very cool. We really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us and following the website. And can you just, uh, I guess, finish things off, let people know uh, where they can follow you, they can find you on social media, and see yeah. you on TV. It's, uh, it's very simple. I'm at Jonathan Mayo on Twitter, and I'll be on MLB Network quite a bit. We've got a lot of draft stuff coming up at very end of May. Uh, we'll have a uh, like a draft top fifty show, and then the draft itself is on starts on on June third on MLB Network. All right, sounds good, Jonathan. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Cleveland All Star Weekend in the Futures Game. And again, thanks so much for coming on uh, with us today. Uh, you've been listening to Jonathan Mayo on Futures Focus, a Prospects fifteen hundred podcast. We're back to wrap up this episode of Futures Focus. I want to thank Joe Drake, our Eastern League contributor on Prospects 1500, for joining me. And also a big thanks to Jonathan Mayo for a great conversation on Heading Home, the tale of Team Israel, and our look at some hitters and pitchers prospects from each level of minor league baseball and some great performances over the first month of the season. We will have Jake Berry returning and hosting episode five. I have a conversation with J.P. Schwartz, who's a Bowman checklist contributor and uh, knows a lot about baseball cards and prospects. And he'll be joining us either on the next episode with Jake or the next one that I'm on. But uh, look forward to that and uh, really appreciate everyone checking us out. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can send them in to us. Uh, email prospects1500 at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at prospects1500. And we definitely look forward to uh, our next episode of Futures Focus. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.